Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. With the Beatitudes, we're going to be preaching from the Beatitudes this entire month, including the first Sunday of September. Matthew chapter 5, and I will try to make this message short this morning to fit into the time that we have allowed because of the communion service. We will run over just over 12, just a bit. In verse 6 of Matthew chapter 5, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I would like to title the message this morning, The Bliss of the Starving Spirit. During the Second World War, I was just a young fellow, pre-teens, early teens. My father was in the service. He was captured by the Germans in the famous Battle of the Bulge and spent many months in a prison camp. During that period of time, he nearly starved along with the others. Over months after he came home, he told us of many of those episodes, and one of them that I will never forget is his telling about watching a mother cat with her litter of kittens that had taken residence in their barracks, waiting until they got big enough so that they could kill them and eat them. He made quite an impression upon me as to what he and others went through with as far as hunger was concerned. And when I would come in someday screaming that I was starving to death and had to have something to eat, he very quietly would say, Son, you don't know what hunger is. And he put me in my place so well by those simple, quiet words that I never forgot the message, that in fact I do not know what hunger is. For outside the few little pains that I have had in trying to diet, and missing perhaps an hour or two a meal, I know nothing about hunger. I suspect that most of us would have to say the same. Some of those of you who uh, have had different experiences might be able to teach us some things about hunger. We see it on television, particularly the people of Africa with their, the children with their extended stomachs that are dying by the many, many, many thousands because of the drought, and they, in fact, do know what hunger is. In this country, we hardly know the meaning of the word, although there are a few people. Of course, the numbers of them would be large, but in proportion to our population, there are a few who know about hunger. Those people who are called the street people who spend nearly all of their time scavenging through the garbage cans of the city trying to find something to eat. But I simply say this to make this point. 
that those people who are hungry spend nearly every waking moment trying to find something to satisfy the desire of their body for food. And when they go to bed, they are thinking not about a good night's sleep, but the agony and the gnawings in the stomach and the questions that rise in their mind, where will I tomorrow find something to eat? In the days of Jesus, the times that he was upon earth, the daily wage of a man was three cents. And those Palestinians were well aware of what Jesus talked about when it was hungering and thirsting, for they were on the verge of real starvation themselves from day to day. And they could, the very next day, be faced with the problem of feeding their family. But it is against this backdrop that Jesus speaks to us as he did to the people of his day when he said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. But he did not say after food. He said after righteousness. If we might parallel that phrase, he would be saying to us, the person will be blessed who spends the kind of energy that the hungry spend in trying to satisfy their body. And we use that same kind of energy to satisfy the hunger of our soul. Jesus makes so many definite points in the Beatitudes that I, I shudder at them. And as I prepared this series of sermons, it came to me again and again that he is making a very, very marked point that in our Christian life we ought to be expending the kind of energy towards satisfying our desire and our need for spiritual food as we spend, or as the hungry spend, I should say, in satisfying their physical needs. And I suspect that many of us are not blessed in this beatitude. For the lives that we live are not so absorbed in our obsession to seek after and to gain satisfaction for the soul in the relationship that the hungry seek after and desire satisfaction for the body. His point, I think, is well taken in that he is not talking about the person who achieves righteousness. He is talking about the person who seeks after righteousness. And so there is a blessing in seeking. When I was a kid in school, I was always envious, to some degree at least, of those students in my class who could easily make A's. They didn't have to do anything. They just were smart enough to breeze through it and always got A's and I had to spend my nights in the books studying, sometimes only getting B's and once in a while only a C. But if I got an A, it was with hard labor. 
I didn't understand what I was going through until I became a teacher. And then when I stood before my class and began to see the same kind of efforts coming forth from the students before me, I was blessing the B students who put their minds and hearts into the work, and I felt good about them. And I didn't think too much of that A student who could breeze through and never gave it any effort. And then I understood what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about seeking after righteousness. He is going to bless the seeker. The one who puts his life, his heart, his mind, his soul into striving for an achievement in righteousness. The blessing comes to those who long after, who dream for who have a passionate striving for an achievement in righteousness. Jacob comes to mind. I'll not tell the whole story of Jacob for the lack of time, and I'm going to leave out a couple other Old Testament examples. But you remember Jacob was going to meet his brother Esau, and he wasn't sure of the outcome. And that night, he went across a little stream by himself and all night he prayed and all night he wrestled with an angel and the angel said let me go and Jacob said I will not let you go until you bless me listen folk when we're so interested in serving God that we will plead with him like Jacob did and say I'm not going to quit I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to release you, Lord, until you have said, Blessed are you when you seek after righteousness. As those who are hungry and thirsty. I think there are two groups of seekers that we ought to talk about. Because we all want to be satisfied. If you ask anyone who will be honest with you what they want out of life, they'll have to say, I want satisfaction. That's all. Satisfaction. The unsaved is one group of seekers. Those who are lost. I've never been lost many times. But I can remember a few times when I've been out hunting, or a few times when I've been driving my automobile in a strange city, and I was not in the better part of town, and I knew I was lost. My entire energy was centered upon getting saved, finding my way out, discovering something familiar that would guide me back home or to my destination. When we expend our energies in seeking in the same way, and I'm speaking now of lost and using the word we in a general term, the same amount of energy is put into finding ourselves in Jesus Christ as is put into discovering where we are when we're physically lost. We're going to be somewhat like the alcoholic who always wants another drink. 
He is never satisfied with one. It means two and then three and on it goes. That's the kind of saturation Jesus is talking about. We will not be satisfied with finding something familiar. We're going to be so intent on discovering where our home really is that all of our energy will be put in to that satisfaction. The problem is the lost is hungry, but he is not aware of his hungriness. The lost is thirsty for something, but he doesn't know what will quench his thirst. There is in his soul an unexplained emptiness, and he doesn't know why it's there. He is in despair, and he doesn't know why. He is at unrest. Can't describe what the problem is. I can tell you what the problem is. Because I was there one day, like most of you, and you realized the problem was that you were lost. And that if you died in the condition that you were in, you knew you were going to hell. There was not a satisfaction what you had. I think it was Edgar Allan Poe. Many of you remember him from school, the author of The Raven, Annabelle Lee, I think it was, and a few others. All very morbid type poetry, the way I remember them. On his deathbed, he had a very high fever, and he was wrestling and tossing and talking and one of the attendants taking care of him came to him and said, Mr. Poe, what do you want? His response was, I want God. But he never found him. But he answered the question that had been in his life and caused him to write some of the poetry the way he did because he didn't have that uh, that thing that he was searching for because he had not searched with all his heart and all his soul and all his mind. There are all of us, although we have come through that state, find ourselves undernourished in spiritual matters. Isn't it strange that we'll feed our bodies with every kind of nourishment, but we don't think about feeding our soul? One of the things that really bothers me when I go on a diet is that I stuff in all of this lettuce and carrots and celery and fill up my stomach, but I'm never satisfied because the calories aren't there. My body is demanding more than I'm giving it. Most of you have gone through that. Our souls are demanding more than we're feeding them. We're starved if we could put our spiritual life up against our physical life we would discover a well-fed body and a very lean, poorly fed soul. And what is more important? physical things in this life, the satisfaction of our body, or the assurance of eternity. And yet most of us spend our time satisfying that which is of little value. 
Jesus said, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. But why? Because they shall be filled. They shall be satisfied. There will no longer be the yearning and the desire for nourishment, for it will be provided. Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's a little song that we sing at times. It says, Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench the thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. Fill it up. Make me whole. Is your cup full? You know one of the things about a full cup? When it's full, it runs over. And when it runs over, somebody else gets that part. And that fills into their cup. And their cup fills up and it runs over into somebody else's cup. And that cup fills up and runs over. It's got to start with your cup. It's got to start with the desire to have the Lord satisfy the longings of your soul. And when you put yourself earnestly searching and seeking for righteousness, the Lord will pour it into your cup. If you pray earnestly for a full cup, you lift it up, Lord. Here's my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. The Lord will fill it up and it'll run over. Most of us have half-empty cups. Or none at all. And the Lord is ready for the outpouring of His Spirit to satisfy the hungering and the thirsting of your soul and mine for the things that mean something that satisfies the soul. It's not regard the body. For the Lord will take care of the body once we have allowed Him to take care of the soul. How is your soul this morning? How is your cup? Is it full? I hope it is. That it will run over today into the life of somebody else. But listen, if you have an empty cup, if you haven't sought after righteousness, if you're not hungry and thirsty for the Word of God, your cup will remain empty. You know, there's one thing about an empty cup I've discovered. It gets dirty awful easy. It's filthy. But it has to be cleaned before you can put anything in it. The first thing the Lord wants to do is clean your cup. And the cleansing solution that he uses is the blood that flowed from the body of Jesus Christ on the cross. Will you yield to him this morning if you're not a Christian? Will you allow him to fill that cup up if you are? Shall we pray just a moment?
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.